knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. With your host, Rob Snowett. This is episode 257 of the Fly Fishy Consultant Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hatch Outdoors. My name is Rob Snow White. We last spoke to Justin Siobhan in January of 2016. We're catching up with him, and we're going to hear his thoughts and observations after living in Colorado for the past four years. It's time to start ordering your shad flies. Please get them in now before the busy season starts around April. Please visit Hatch Outdoors for more information on Hatch Reels. The Fanatic Reels cover the bases from trout, steelhead, bonefish, and redfish to carp and tarpon. The dependable sealed water-resistant drag keeps pressure on the fish and debris out of the action. Experts rate this as one of the top fresh and saltwater reels in the world. Reels are customizable in a variety of colors. Please go to your local hatch dealer or visit Hatch Outdoors for more information. I'm looking forward to baptizing my 7 Plus in some saltwater when spring break comes around in April. Some of the older podcast listeners may remember that Justin was on maybe two or three years ago when he had just moved to Colorado. We're going to catch up with him now to see how things are different and what's going on with the Colorado fly fishing scene. So, Justin, where are you? I am actually in Oklahoma right now. Yeah, I'm here for work. Okay. Yeah, I'm a basket weaver, you know, so I got to go where the people need baskets. Yeah. Everyone needs a good basket, and Oklahomans, they, I'm sure, to put yeah, things in. Yeah, especially the Oklahomans. What, what things would they be putting in baskets in Oklahoma? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I really don't get that far with them. But <laughs> now, nah, I, I, uh, I, I'm an accountant, so we can digress 
quickly, but I'm heading back to Colorado tomorrow and looking forward to it. I was fishing last week on the South Platte and it was too cold to fish. Water temps are around 38 and 39, so it was more of a hike. Well, actually, that's that's not true. We did a bit of a cast and blast, and not much of a cast, but some so much as a blast. So we shot a couple birds. Yeah, there was no fish to be had. Too cold. So for someone that may be in Florida that that doesn't know about the South Platte and its systems, you want to just give a brief little explanation? Sure. Yeah, uh, the South Platte is a series of reservoir tailwater, reservoir tailwater, and those tailwaters um, are super productive and. We'll have migratory fish and things of that nature, but ultimately, uh, you just have a series of tailwaters. That's primarily where a lot of the good fishing is uh, around me. Uh, there's some freestones, of course, the Arkansas, to name one famous one, and Colorado, I believe, is one as well. Um, and yeah, <laughs> are you laughing at the Arkansas? Because yes. they get you every time. I know. I, I think so. <laughs> oh my goodness. But does that suffice? Is it explain it well? It's really not very complicated, but it, it's sort of hard to grasp where you know the dream stream is and where the Eleven Mile is. But they're all tailwaters, and uh, Eleven Mile's out of the Eleven Mile Reservoir, so that one's easy. But the dream stream comes from uh, what's what's that what's that reservoir? Um, Spinny Mountain. Yeah, Spin Spinny. Yeah. So I guess there is a little change in my approach from when we last spoke. I do a lot more still water fishing, and that's been a very cool avenue of fly fishing that I've sort of been trying to get on, and it's been very productive. That's it's a fun way to fish. You fishing on foot or from a boat? So on ice off, I can fish from foot because those trout will hug the shorelines. I think they follow the bait fish that cruise out there, and. Honestly, the most productive method I've found has really just been uh, a bobber rig, a long leader, but a bobber rig with, you know, a couple flies. And I usually will fish a uh, leech pattern to like a nymph, especially if it's choppy because that chop will uh, actually put a motion on your, on your fly. So a lot of jig flies, a lot of leeches, stuff like that. And when the bobber is bouncing up and down, it's it's actually moving that fly for you. You ever throw the Snow White Damsel for those shallow cruisers? I actually, yeah, I do actually, but nice. I don't tie it with, yeah, I don't tie it with the uh, chartreuse. I do more natural colors like a black and olive. I have thrown that, and it, it works. Yeah. What size tippet would you be using? So honestly, there? with with that, I I go pretty big because they're they're big fish. So I'll fish. The light is probably six pound fluoro, and I think that would be four x if you translate it. But um, maybe a little light. I don't know. Um, I buy big spools of fluoro now these days because you know save save a little money. Yeah, man. And, uh, What's your home fly shop these days? Uh, my house. Yeah, yeah. So I I've been mostly tying all my flies from things I shoot. I'd say probably 80% of my material is all El Natural. And I do tie my own leader still and all that stuff. So, But, you know, the Covey or South, South Platte Fly Shop. What's up, Sam? Shout out. And then my good friend, Anthony Marisi, he of High Peaks Rep, he always hooks it up with some leaders and stuff. Because I, I do like throwing 
a knotless leader for dry flies. I think that makes a big difference. Those knots will catch current and uh, throw your size 24 off. Size 24, um, that is. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, we fish, honestly, mostly in those tailwater systems. I'm not really usually throwing much bigger than a size 16 when it comes to nymph. Nymphs, probably 18 or smaller when it comes to dries. I mean, there's there's opportunities sometimes to throw bigger flies, but typically, you know, we're fishing betas, BWO, hatches, midge hatches, uh, caddis are even small. Do people <laughs> cat- do people at altitude have better vision? Does less oxygen make you guys be able to see little flies better? No, I think it 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 just cuts off oxygen in the brain, so we still do it. Okay. Yeah, no, we still find enjoyment out of it somehow. But the small fly game is is rough, but you get used to it. For me, I've dialed in pretty much my patterns to, you know, they're streamlined, I guess is what I'm saying. So I don't have that many different patterns because that's one luxury of throwing small flies, you know, I, I, I think, is you can you can accomplish, you know, a lot with just a, like a black beauty, for example, zebra midge. Those are the larva and the pupa state in reverse order there, but that I typically throw. And the rojo midge, another awesome fly. Uh, and betis is basically, I throw a pheasant tail. And I'm, I'm really pretty, pretty well off with that fly. And I'm not often outfished by all those guys with the thousands of different patterns and small betas stuff you know what i mean you know so other flies that those fish just see all the time yeah and that's the other thing too is deviation of any sort with the main patterns is just the key because i'll often swap out materials but tie the same fly and it works a lot better because they see the same fly every time and you know, the best example I would say is, uh, the RS2. And I, I mean, I, I tie that with a lot of different stuff, but you know, CDC was the original pattern and I don't think it's really tied with that much anymore. And, and I tie it with that now more than I tie it with the Glamour Medora or whatever that stuff is. And I have a lot more success, I think. So now that you've been out there, how many years has it been? Uh, about five, five years. Are there misconceptions that about Colorado that you may have heard back East and you're just like, no, that's not true. Anything about the fishing scene, crowds, public water. So I, I don't know if people understand how pressured the fish are. That's probably something there that, you know, it's so crowded. And honestly, that's why I've started fishing more of the tail water or excuse me, the reservoirs. And honestly, and when it comes to prime time, I, I barely fish applied anymore. There's just so many people. And I don't think it's a misconception, but I did anticipate running into more anglers that were, were a little bit more dialed in with the different approaches. It, it's really a nymph game, even when fish are rising. And that's just been so frustrating because I'll, I'll have fish rising, want to cast to them and sight fish. And someone will come out of nowhere and just 
plop a bobber over their heads and down they go. So that's been super frustrating. And as a result, we've sort of been kind of looking at more natural off the grid stuff that, you know, you got to hike to or back back to, or, um, you know, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart or it's not known or, and those are getting very far few between, between, excuse me, but yeah, getting away from people has been the name of the game. Cause I think there is a, an allure to Colorado fly fishing and, uh, a lot of people come out to fish and that's great. I love it, but I don't know how really great it is for the overall picture of these streams and especially for the fish. Cause they get pounded. It's sort of relentless with those with those uh, crowds and yeah. So I I guess I wasn't misconstrued on anything. I, I didn't really have that much of an anticipation other than it would be a lot more prolific hatches and and more uh, sort of uh, trout and inducive uh, climates and better bugs and and for, for the most part that's true. It's the crowds that I'm frustrated with. Do the fly shops just send? people all the same spots or is it social media taggings or there's just not that many secrets left anymore a little bit of everything it's a little bit of everything and you know i love social media as much as the next person yeah i've sort of been shying away from it lately but it's cool i'm, I'm all for folks enjoying celebrating fish but it's come to the point where it almost seems where folks are just fishing to to post something on on instagram and that's blown up a lot of spots, of course, but I've seen mostly it manifest in poor handling of fish, snagging fish, just all around dirty habits and bad things to, you know, get a fish in the net, you know, that uh, there was never a driving force to otherwise, you know what I mean? So that's been frustrating. And we, I'll, I'll watch like uh, an angler, the last winter. Uh, Anthony and I were fishing on an 11 mile and we, we watched this guy just straight up snag fish and, you know, 10 minute photo shoot. And we're like, dude, c- come on, man. I mean, it's, it's cool. If you get a nice fish and you, and you want to post it, that's great, but it shouldn't be the reason why you're out there. And I think for the most part, it's kind of come to that. Are people holding them out in winter too long where everyone else is super bundled up, but they're not thinking about the fish? not being bundled yeah, up yeah 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 and and the they, hot weather they as well. should have like fish mittens to put them on or put them in yeah i mean keep the fish in the water if you can as long as you can the the grip and grins are great i i'm guilty as anyone for for that stuff um you know but i try to keep them in the waters and handle them as less as i you know can and i've gotten to the point where i don't really even take pictures too much anymore I don't even have a camera on my phone. So I, you know, if I get a really nice fish, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take a photo maybe. Um, but I've learned that that's not the reason why I'm out there. I had a trip to Cheeseman this last fall and just straight crushed some big fish. And, you know, people are like, wow, you don't, you didn't want a photo with it. Well, it's like, you know, I'm trying to show that you can, catch a big fish and and celebrate the moment and that you know there's something cool between you and that fish or whatever um but you don't always you know need to need to celebrate with a photo i guess and I, i'm not trying to be 
that guy, you know, by all means. But just keep a keep in mind that there's a bigger picture to all this. And um, if you're going to hurt a fish, I'd rather see you just take it, honestly, and, and put it out of its misery. And so that's what it. we did with my steelhead over Christmas. It was out on the rocks, and I offered it to the guy for dinner because he mentioned he wanted to have a fish to go have dinner with his buddy. I was like, you know sure, what? If yeah. this fish is going home, I'm going to take a little bit more liberty and I'm going to photograph it and film it and get some close-ups. Because normally when I yeah. catch a steelhead, I want it out of the water, snap, 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 throw it back in. This yeah. one, this one uh, unfortunately suffered a little bit. And you know what? That happens. And if anyone says this isn't a blood sport, then they're lying. It is. You're impaling a fish in the face with a hook. Well, hopefully the face. Um, I see a lot of butt hookups. The butt hatch is always on in Colorado, as as, as we say. Are there T-shirts for the butt hatch? You know, I no. I think it's something that my friends and I made up along with the question mark. It so, sounds like um, that's a band. Like the butt hatch is playing at nine thirty club this weekend. Well, it's gonna be. I'm gonna start a a band called Butt Hatch now. So I'll play lead guitar and rhythm. So no big deal. Nice. What is Zep gonna play? <laughs> The bongos. Nice. Yeah, he's very proficient with the bongos and the mandolin, but he's still practicing the mandolin, so he's got a little ways to go there. What's that dew claw gets in the way? <laughs> yes. Uh, Brother Zep, man, he is... He's been a little salty at me because I've, I've not taken him as much uh, because of the crowds, and a lot of the times we've been doing uh, more hunting and fishing combined. You know, that's the other thing, too. Public land, you're allowed to hunt for the most part in Colorado. So it's just a sort of disclaimer. You're allowed to hunt that. So anyone in, you know, especially Cheeseman area or, or the Dream Stream, wear orange, man, you know, and understand that you can't hunt that and it's not illegal. So what would you be shooting at if you saw it? Oh, I shoot a lot of ducks. I've had some awesome casts and blasts and on the dream whenever the dream was fishing the dreams it's not so good anymore it's pretty much it's pretty much good i don't even fish it anymore really it it just gets crapped on and so i, I hunted a lot but a couple of years ago i started to hunt and fish with it and <laughs> i'll i'll be fishing and ducks will just land and i'll have my shotgun on my back and i just and chipow, you know, and then the, all these fishermen, oh, well, well, God, you can do that. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm not, yeah, I am allowed to do that. And as long as it's a safe shot, I'm, I'm going to take it. Got to eat. Yeah, well, I mostly catch and release duck hunt, but yeah, sometimes I eat them. No, that's a joke. I, I, I don't catch it. That's an onion article, actually. <laughs> but no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I get a lot of tying materials from ducks and I eat them. They're very good. If you only had one of your shot bird species to tie with, what would you choose? Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings for just about everything for shooting hunting and the outdoors check out midwayusa.com 
Ooh, Mallards hard to beat for the just plethora of feathers. But teal has some really cool feathers. The, the blue wing teal, I've kind of been messing around with a couple patterns from the blue wing teal that have done really well for me. Uh, Betas patterns, and so probably the teal or the mallard. So you know the sandhill cranes you'll see out there along the South Platte. I heard those yeah. were really good eating. I had a client from Texas. Yeah, so that yeah. is like filet mignon. Oh yeah, it's uh, ribeye in the sky. We call it. Maybe that's what it bed. was. Ribeye. Yeah. You know, I don't know where you can hunt them. They're very protected. But I did watch the meat eater show, and there's an episode where he goes to Texas. I, I believe it's Texas, and they they they're like three a day there, and man, there are some really exotic looking birds. Also, now that you've been in Colorado for a couple of years, do you have a favorite Colorado or Rocky Mountain animal now? Oh, yeah. I, what gets you excited? Shoot. The big horns? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Those are just so cool. There's a lot of cool species in, in Colorado. But yeah, those are probably, probably, yeah, those get me excited. I don't see them that often. Do you ever run into rattlesnakes? No, I... I, I I don't, and I'm always really quite scared to and conscious of it, but I'm right at that threshold where they don't really move up any higher. That's, I think, around 6,500. So I, I'm right on the precipice of where they just don't exist. I know they're found at the Garden of the Gods, and that's right down the road, but it's going downhill a little bit, you know. The famous so. story from there, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, was my wife's friend's boyfriend was there when my in-laws were there. And Yuri just happened to sit down on the same bench as the boyfriend and they get to talking and they realize that they know the same person from Ohio that's out there. And this guy was with another woman and the story gets reported back to my wife's friend. So randomly in the middle of nowhere, my father-in-law caught a cheater and busted up a relationship. That's the short end wow. of the story. But that was at the garden of the gods. He just happened to sit down next to the guy in Colorado. Who's dating my wife's friend. That's nuts. Yeah. Small world. It is. That's why you don't cheat. Exactly. Super lame. Have you ever fished or had the opportunity to fish private water out there? <laughs> yeah. Anthony Maurice, he takes my bro gas uh, into some nice places sometimes. But for the most part, you know, I don't. Uh, I fished some private stuff on the Eagle and with him. And I get invited to Rainbow Falls a lot. And I just, it never seems to work out. And I'm never really that disappointed, but apparently it's just a uh, just loaded with big fish. They, and they're all stocked, but whatever, that's fun, you know. But I, I just haven't been able, been able to make it work up there. But yeah, I've, I've got on some stuff, and really, unless it's like private in the sense that it's just off limits and 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 natural or wild, I, I'm I'm really not that interested. Like the big fish game is kind of, it's great. I mean, we all want to catch big fish, but I've gotten more focused on finding wild fish. The native greenback uh, has been awesome. I've gotten into that fish 
in some very unlikely places, but also some likely places. And it's not a secret that they've been restocking those fish, and especially in Estes Park, they're, there's a, they're everywhere up there. That's a lot of fun. So, you know, private stuff. If you get a chance, cool. man, you can't pass it up. What is the farthest you're going to drive to go fishing? Because things are pretty spread out in Colorado. Yeah, so that... And are you still well, driving my, the Prius? Well, yeah, if if I'm going somewhere that's... I, I still have my Yoda. My, uh, my taco is, uh, is very reliable. I'll drive as far as I need to, need to or, you know, there's really no limit there. We, we drove to Texas from Colorado, the coast of Texas, for redfish. That was like a two-day drive, and it was uh, it was awesome. And we got into, like, a couple redfish, but mostly sea trout, and hell of a time. So earlier you mentioned some hatches. What are some of the, the hatches? When do they come off? Anything, you know, is it a sunny day one comes off, cloudy? What uh, what are you going to also throw to match those? So someone's going to fly out there and they're going to bring a box. What do you suggest they fill it with? So, yeah, that's, that's a great question. There's a, there's a predictability to it to an extent. If you come out here to Colorado, firstly, you're going to want to know what, what type of river you're fishing. So if you're on the South Platte fishing the uh, tailwater systems, I understand that you're going to be throwing smaller bugs. There's less oxygen and inherently those bugs that like that uh, tailwater or thrive in that sort of environment are going to be, you know, midges and mostly betas, BWS stuff. And so the free stones uh, contrast a little bit. They're a little bit bigger bugs and uh, there's a little bit more hatches with them. I think, you know, they have blue quill, red quill on the Arkansas, especially in the fall. I think it's been a minute since I've been down there. Um, Starting, let's start with, uh, you know, this early spring. You know, we're looking for midge, midges now coming off, BWOs coming off. Uh, and then as it warms up, getting into the April, May kind of time frame, we'll start to see some yellow sallies. Uh, PMDs are huge, huge hatch. And for those two, I, I like a size 16. 18 for the PMDs, excuse me. 16 for the uh, Sally's. And then when the caddis start popping, I tie, for, and this is, all, I'm speaking to the South Platte right now, I will throw a, um, a size 18 caddis, but it's deceivingly small there because what I do is, if you look at the caddis on, well, if you look at the most prolific caddis that's on 11 mile its wing is really long and its body is really short so i can actually extend that wing with the elk hair a bit so it looks like a 16 and that's why i was kind of saying it was 16, but it's really an 18 body but i extend that wing the, when the pmds and, and and the caddis are hot on uh on on the south plat you're you're in business the fishing is just lights out and then the winter time you know i kind of look for more midges and, and some stoneflies and stuff, but that's going to be more prolific on the, on the freestone stuff. Um, I guess I skipped over the summer month on there. So as we get in the summer, we'll start throwing terrestrials and, and all that good stuff, hoppers in mid, mid summer, stonefly, stonefly, stonefly patterns, definitely. And 
Amy's aunt is just whew, that fly just crushes in both you know the tailwaters and and the free stones. If you go late summer to the Arkansas, and uh, yeah, all you need is a, a Amy's aunt. You throwing droppers behind who, any of these? When it's on, no, absolutely not. You don't. You don't need to. And if I'm searching, yeah, yeah, throw throw a throw a dropper. And what I've sort of got onto with the dropper has been uh, a lot of the Euro nymphs do really well for me as a dropper. They're they they sink so fast, and they're on that little jig hook, and I love that barbless hook. They really do well. So I I've been I've been mostly throwing a lot. You know the Paragons or per- whatever they per- call them. Paragon. Yeah, yeah. So is the is the like Paragon game strong out there? Like maybe also the overly dressed monster streamers. Are the no, kids throwing actually, some big Instagram streamers? They are. They move fish, I think, but. I think it takes a really special angler to get it done consistently with those big streamers and they have their time and they have their place of of course. But for the most part, you know, my streamer game usually is smaller. I I like, uh, you know, a woolly bugger or a slump buster and then uh, a smaller, lighter fly, even off that, that two streamers. I like throwing two streamers. I think that works better. But I'll throw those big guys too, and and those guys are out there, and I'm sure they move fish, and when they do move them, they're probably really big. What's the um, biggest trout you've seen in Colorado? Wild versus dog food fed. Oh yeah, so hands down, wild Cheeseman Canyon throwing streamers, and again the double streamer rig with slump buster up front, and then it was like this weightless wooly bugger, and I had a. 30 plus inch trout just come up and just miss. And, you know, it was thrown it way in those big crevices and deep pools that you got to be pretty slick to get it back there. But there, you know, there's a fish there and that was probably the biggest. And I would assume it was a wild fish. It definitely was, had been living there a while. And then the dog food stuff, uh, I don't know, man, I probably the dream stream with those, Lake run fish that I think they're all stalkers. I'm pretty sure they are. And we, we catch 10 plus pound fish on, on a regular there. But again, that may not probably be viable so much anymore. The dream has just been crapped on and it does not fish well anymore. I fished the Brown spawn this year to illustrate and I moved. Well, I did get, I get one nice Brown, you know, and it was a good fish and I was happy. It was, it was a big Brown and, put it back and I was guiding my dad and some of his friends and they said, Oh, wow, that's, that's great. Well, that's that, okay. Well, let's, let's do it. And they spent the next few hours just getting nothing. I mean, they couldn't move a fish and they were great anglers. So I don't think it was anything like that. It, it was more or less, I got lucky with, and it was the first cat, you know, you know how it goes as a guide, right? You know, you, you pick up the rod, and of course you're going to hook up on a fish, right? And that's exactly what happened. They say, hey, "How would you fish this run?" And I said, "Well, uh, you know, here, and boom, nice that's brown." How I got the biggest smallmouth of my life. Oh, nice! Clients nice wanted to see how you work a woolly bugger, and this thing just came out of nowhere and ate it. I was like, "Oops!" 
In fact, the two biggest smallmouths I've ever caught out of the Potomac system were when clients wanted to see me cast. No kidding. Yeah. How's the Potomac? I miss the Potomac, man. They say the snakeheads are doing a toll on some of the smaller species. It's uh, We haven't had any major rainstorms. Today was super windy. I had to cancel my client. That's the second time we've had to cancel for wind. This is going to blow the water out. I'm just looking forward to the shadow run starting again. That is, uh, wow, that's just so much fun. I, I do miss the shadow run. You just never know what you're going to hook into. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And they're just a fun fish. Very underrated fish, I think. Do you find people are surprised to find salmon living in Colorado? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that is a hoot. Oh, man, that's cool. That's cool you brought that up. So the kokanee, for the listeners that may not know, uh, Colorado has a landlocked, dwarfed sockeye salmon known as the kokanee. The kokanee is super cool. I, I love that fish. And the the local mindset is they, they hate them, especially around the Gunnison area, because some reservoirs have them, and they run up the, the streams that connect to them, and some don't. Gunnison, obviously, is one of them. The Dream Stream is one of them. I think Dylan Reservoir has them. A couple other ones. Go up the blue. Yeah, yeah. But they're awesome. And when, you know, they they make their run, they go through a metamorphosis just like, you know, the sockeye does and get the big gnarly humpback and kipe. And I love them. I, I think they're a hoot. And I found that red patterns really work well for them. So any listeners in Colorado that may want to start pursuing them. I tie like a, just a, uh, what do they call that? A pig sticker. Yeah, that's a good one. And just red or a red egg or red pheasant tail. Red just seems to piss them off. And they, they go nuts when you hook up on them and they're just a lot of fun. And, but the locals hate them. They, they say they get in the way of the, the trout and, you know, oftentimes they'll will intercept your fly before it gets down. I don't see what's wrong even, with that. No, I don't either. I think they're fun. And, and they're if, probably I think any... dropping eggs everywhere so you can fish egg patterns behind them. Yeah, they add a lot of biomass in, in, in just a general sense, like from the egg to when they die. So I, I love them. They're fun. And the the folks on the hard water now, you know, they catch them in the wintertime through the ice, and that's when they're in their silver state in the reservoir. So they're good eating, I hear, too. But it's it's sort of a, an enigma though because I don't think they really eat like more than photoplankton or very very small bugs. But anyways, I don't think their diet is really conducive to line up with most fly patterns. But for some reason, they will eat a fly when they spawn. And the guys with the hardware, you have to ask them. I don't know how they get them, but they eat in the winter. And I see the the guys ice fishing catching them all the time and eating them too. The first time I heard there was salmon, I was very confused. Just as confused as I was when I was told there were Chinook salmon in the Great Lakes. I said, get out of town. (laughs) Get out of town. Get out of town. Shout out out to Pittsburgh. What's up, Pittsburgh? What is something every Colorado angler should carry on them at all times when they're fishing? A shotgun. 
Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, shotgun does really set a nice tone, though. People are a lot nicer to you when, when you have a shotgun on your back. I don't know why, but no. Can I, can I carry my pellet gun over my shoulder? Yeah. Cool. I think that would work. I don't know how I'd get it's, it there. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy a pellet gun for you when you come out next Sweet. and you can carry that. Yeah, so the spring break trip has been canceled. For Colorado, so we're looking at Miami or the Keys right now. Oh, the Keys would be fun. Yes. Have you done any saltwater fishing lately, or no. um, would you plan on fishing there? Oh yeah, that's all they... I'm gonna do. Nice. Right. So, so yeah. what would you? What, let me let me let me play the um, the role as the the podcaster. Yes. Um, so if you go to if you go to the Keys, what what type of fish are you looking for? I wouldn't mind looking for some snook. Yeah, uh, pretty much anything. I don't really. What care. are you gonna throw for the snook? Probably clousers. I'd have yeah. to research this. Maybe I need to get a Florida Keys guide up on this. And I think if about... you want a permit, you you might. Yeah, I don't know if I'd have time to do a day trip out somewhere, but man, I would love to see the Marquesas at some point. The dried Tartugas. But yeah, it's also cool. a family vacation, so I'm expected to be with them that's why i was hoping yeah. miami because they could hang out in a park while i go and you know try to get some peacocks out of a canal we could do things oh together. yeah there is peacocks down there huh yeah that'd be really cool yeah have you gotten one of those no no yeah i've seen a couple either. when i was in uh Kauai, and that was it oh you were in Kauai. did you bonefish i did fished all over that that was the honeymoon and then oahu was uh 2010 did you uh did you get into them no bonefish i saw a couple i caught some kind of invasive grouper and a christmas wrasse christmas wrasse if no one's ever seen one of those look it up it's pretty pretty amazing looking and then a lot of inshore lizard fish wow that's really cool but you can feed the bonefish bread at the sanctuary the marine sanctuary down by the prince statue in waikiki oh wow everything I, I, eats white bread there that's that's crazy i i cut my teeth on those uh hawaiian bones they're they are tough i got one and that was it and i fish hard they are tough where would you want to be hunting and fishing if you had a couple of days off that wasn't colorado i've always wanted to get to idaho and montana Wyoming, they don't, uh, Montana's kind of getting there, but they're, they're not so pressured there. The trout have a sense of, like, you know, I guess wildness that, and you don't, I guess, will run into so many people. The thing with Colorado is that it's so populated now, and it is such a destination for folks that these streams are just, they're so crowded and it's cool to see a lot of people now interested in the sport. That's great. I'm, I'm not saying that, but there isn't as many opportunities that are so accessible to folks in Colorado as, as they think. So the main uh, river systems do get pounded. So yeah, I, I'm looking if, if I do go somewhere, it's, it's going to probably either be salt or somewhere where there's not, no, not a, no people. And we go to Washington, um, where my friend, Anthony, I keep mentioning, uh, he, he's a good dude, but we go to Washington a lot and we fish for, uh, you know, the, 
the native uh, rainbow trout is native up there. So we fish with them up there and uh, big patterns. such a cool thing, you know. Being able to throw a, a huge stonefly on the reg is amazing, you know, because you're so dialed in with these small bugs that you really, it's actually, it transcribes to other streams in a, a really nice way because you're anticipating a smaller, subtle hit, and I think you, you miss less fish when you're dialed in to something like I'm used to. Um, so, you know, Washington and uh, Wyoming, I've I fished a lot, and um, I want to get to Idaho and Montana more. And, um, yeah, and the salt. Hawaii was so cool. I'll go back there. Those bonefish are amazing. Would like to get down to the Keys, too, and um, smack a permit. But, you know, Texas is cool, too. I fish Texas a lot. Corpus Christi area for the Reds. That's a hoot. And Pennsylvania, too, a lot, because I'm from there. When I go back home, I'll fish, usually. That's just, you know, every place has something you know it's just a matter of finding it can you confirm or deny the rumors that you introduced palomino trout to colorado <laughs> yes of course that was me 100 i knew it you brought him back from pennsylvania <laughs> well i mean someone had to do it so if i had to be me it was you know so what, you gotta do what you got to do what bodies of water have those been popping up in you know, I don't really see them too much. I, I, the more stocked areas, obviously, I think. But for the most part, I, I haven't ran into that many. More, uh, more or less some, you know, really bright cutties. Sometimes I'll get confused. Like, Is that a, no, okay, it's a cutty. For the most part, yeah, no, I don't, I don't run into those things. Uh, are, they, are, they, are they out in Colorado, I didn't even know they were. The social media has shown me that there are palominos in Colorado. Well, I think it's a natural phenomenon. So, I mean, like, I'm sure to an extent there's a percentage of fish that will be albino. Because they're albino, right? That's all they are, right? It's, some, it's been a while since I read Anders Halverson's book, The Most Synthetic Fish. So there, it was some kind of genetic thing bred into them. Some melanistic, I don't remember. Yeah, so that's something I, I won't even try to speak to. But there there is some golden trout, which are really cool. They're not native. I think they're only really native to California in the closest region. But um, they're, they're in some of the alpine lakes. A friend of mine, Brett, went to Montana this year, actually, and caught some really big um, golden golden trout up there and, and some high alpine stuff that, you know, you have to hike to. But, you know. For the listeners out there, I would like to say if you do start to do the off-grid stuff and, and backpacking stuff, just just be safe. It's never a bad idea to have a, a firearm, and it's never a bad idea to be smart about it. I mean, plan stuff out. You know, water's, water's huge, and you're going to water, of course, but uh, I see a lot of people that don't have enough water on the trail. I see a lot of people that just just aren't. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. 
Stop by your local Decova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just didn't do their research. So before you go somewhere like that, you know, do your research and uh, be safe. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. For the most part, that's really kind of where I head these days and to get away from the crowds, as I mentioned before. I'll stop beating that dead horse. How's that dude doing that killed a mountain lion that attacked him up near Horse Tooth? Is he still in the news yeah, at that, all? Yeah. And the bizarre thing <laughs> is the article starts with, oh, I was just going for an eight-mile run up the mountain. Just like, what? Yeah, right. Dude, like, seriously? <sighs> I don't like going up the five steps to the kitchen. Well, everyone in Colorado seems to be pretty physically fit and into that kind of stuff. So that's great. I love seeing that. But I guess it, the bound line was a juvenile. Um, so, and, and let's also keep in mind that mountain lion is probably not going to attack you unless it's sort of in a bad place. You know, like they're, they're not probably going to pursue you as a, as a food source unless they really have to. And, you know, for the California listeners, I understand, yeah, you guys get tagged all the time on your bikes and stuff because you look like prey, and that's kind of another thing. But in Colorado, I don't hear much of, you know, those attacks if if it's not something like I was mentioning where they're, they're either wounded or just not able to get a meal, right? So then they look at, you know, maybe a human as a meal. And not taking anything away from that guy, that guy's super badass. Kudos to him. Shout out to that guy. But for the most part, I, I think that was a very sort of, it was an anomaly, I think, is what I'm saying. Do you think people from California taste better or maybe smell more appetizing? <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually kind of a good point. I bet you they do taste better. You are what you eat, right? Yeah. So I think the Californians and their, and their good diets and blonde hair and beach bods they, they probably are probably pretty good Stuart, what are you doing here <laughs> oh dude, i just saw that that's funny <laughs> what are you doing here Stuart, you doing here? saturday night live nice reference yes mr snow white there nice was a reference indeed great interview yesterday with leslie jones on on uh, morning edition i miss her i don't even know who that is she was funny she was like, I don't, just loud, and she was a big woman. She'd always like break down the door and be had a surprise really? face. Yeah, always going after Colin Jost. <laughs> I always tweet Colin Jost and Michael Che and, and compliment them on their choice of ties that week, knowing that is the same tie and shirt and jacket they wear every week. <laughs> it's been a while. Nice. Like Colin. Michael, sharp choice there with those ties. That is awesome. I, I, I like your style. Yes. I, you know, for the most part, I watch Forensic Files and Tie Flies. So my, uh, I guess, knowledge of 
television outside of some, you know, pretty niche stuff like Saturday Night Live, of course, which we just had that moment with, which was a very nice moment. I Mr. Snow White. I, I enjoyed that. I don't know what that skit was called, but the that Californians. Was yes, it was. And it had the guy from um, uh, Portlandia. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was super funny. And I guess Portlandia is spot on. My wife just went up there a couple months ago, and she's like, you know the show Portlandia? Yeah, it's dead on. It's kind of a documentary or a reality (laughs) show up there. Put some birds on it. Yeah, we haven't had IFC in years, so I don't even know if it's still on. Yeah, and the more I find out about those two actors, the more they're – just so cool. I, the, the the lady was in Slater, Slater Kinney. Kinney. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. That's so cool. Yeah, they just What's got a are they just got a new drummer. I think it was a new drummer. Are they all girls? Yes. And they've been around together for a long time. That's awesome. I wish I, like I had musical that, talent. Yeah. And I could join well, the band with you and Zepp. Yeah, I mean, we don't have much, but we what we lack in talent, we make up for in practicing. Cause Does Talia play an instrument? Yeah, she plays the piano. We we got a, we got a new piano in in there. She'll play um, a lot of uh, classical stuff because she's you know wicked smart and does her thing with the you know classical stuff. But myself, I play the blues and mostly blues. But I play. Uh, with my neighbor, he played Pogs. Wow, Pogs! <laughs> I have not heard Pogs. You going over there to play some? What are their, what are their names? What are you, <laughs> Power Rangers? Or are you saying I, you I go over there to play is, music? I hope this is cut out. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't play Pogs or uh, Power Rangers. I wish we did. I don't have my Slammer. It's back home. But that's what you're referring to—the Pog game, right? Yeah, mine's in the shop. Are you working in the shop? No, I just meant like the Pog shop. Not that if that there is one. Oh, okay. I thought you were back at Orvis. Yeah. Are you allowed in an Orvis store? They let you in? I was in there today. Dropping off TPFR cards and looking for Pink Flashaboo. And then you have you Pink go, Flashaboo. Is uh, Art still at... Um... He's running Arlington. Arlington, yeah. He's now I, president I really, I... of TPFR and he says hello. He just gave me an Instapot. That he got for his wedding. So hopefully the person who gave it to him isn't listening. He's like, hey, you wanted a deep fryer like eight months ago? And I said, sure. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And now we got an He got married and everything? Yeah, he's married to Trent's lady's sister. They're twins, Apple and Bunny. Oh, that's that's so cool. So him and, and, like, him and Trent so cool. are like brother-in-laws. That is awesome. Trent and Art are both tremendously cool people i shout out to those guys man i uh i miss seeing y'all artemis and trent you're now brothers go forth and prosper and keep giving me kitchen appliances all i need now to complete my kitchen is a vertical citrus press like with a hand lever like you'd have at a bar or a hotel Uh, yeah that'd be pretty cool actually i want one of those are you still cooking a lot yeah man a lot of indian so for New Year's Eve, I did on the Traeger smoked tandoori wings and then this really killer doll, this rice the, the Pakistani guy taught me how to make at the market down the street from our old house. But that doll Makani, man, oh my goodness. 
Wow, that sounds great, mm. man. So good. That is awesome. Well, when you come out next, I'm going to have to teach you some of my um, wild game recipes. Get you on. I got a mule deer this year and a white tail, lots of small game. So I'll, I'll save some uh, some choice meats for you when you come out next. And well, we'll, uh, we'll what about soft tackle? What would you shoot for soft tackles out there? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, a lot of the small birds. What are those? Um, ptarmigan. No, I have not found ptarmigan. They are hard to find. You got to go up. They're not always white, I don't think. So when they are not white, they really blend in. And when they're white, they really blend in because, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm fairly positive that's how they work, but haven't really pursued them. We do the, uh, it's a small bird. It's not a dove. It's the other little thing. They, they eat the cactuses. A finch. No, no. Well, we shoot a lot of snipe in duck season. Snipe is cool. I don't get much feathers from them, but they're they're a cool bird. If you've never seen one, look them up. They're really sweet. Uh, but they're migratory as well, and they, they love the marshy areas. So they, they come in a lot. And my friend Dr. Clark, the wildlife biologist, will be duck hunting, and there's ducks coming in. And he's like, hey, let's go shoot some snipe. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm going to you know, finish up at eHarmony today, and we're going to go shoot some snipe. Yeah. The bird that I cannot remember the name of, which is really Pelican. low-hanging fruit. Yes, definitely pelican. No, they would puncture their pouch if they were picking at the cactuses. Cacti. Yeah, yeah. No, the the and the gall on these birds that I can't remember the name of magpie. No, no, no. Those are carnivorous, actually, which are cool. But hold tight. Let's pause that. Let me look it up because I feel like an idiot. All right. If you were going to shoot a bird for a soft hackle, what would you be shooting? Quail has been a great soft hackle material for me. I'd like to sort of find a way to get into some partridge, but I don't, I don't even know if they're around. But, but the quail, I got some private land where uh, I've gotten into pretty good. And Dr. Clark and I, uh, a wildlife biologist, my friend. Wait, uh, he's not the guy from, from the, the dating site? No. That's Dr. Neil Clark. Yeah. No, Dr. Clark is, is a uh, very um, cool dude that I hunt with and, and tie flies with. And What's he a doctor a of? Is he like Dr. Dre? No, he's a, he's a biologist. I've, I've really enjoyed hunting with him because he knows so much about these birds. And, and with ducks, I don't shoot every duck. So um, I've learned through him which you know, ones are eaters and which ones are, are going to, we're going to pass on. And we don't shoot divers that much. And we mostly shoot the, uh, the puddle ducks and th- th- those things are very hard to identify. So, um, it's really great to have someone that's like insightful and able to identify them from far away. So, and we'll still work the birds, bring them in, but oftentimes we don't shoot because, you know, if we're, we're going to eat, if we're going to shoot a duck, we're going to eat it. And the divers just don't taste as good. But quail hunting is a lot of fun, and I'll quail hunt and rabbit hunt, and that produces a lot of material for me, especially soft hackles. And really, it's as simple as a hare's ear dubbing, a little collar with uh, with a quail, and usually I'll throw some CDC in there too. 
Where does one put a deceased bird when they're fishing? <laughs> well, uh, you know, you. But it depends on how many I have. They're they're hard to get, so usually there's only a couple. So I can. Do you like tie their heads together and put them around your neck? No, I usually just throw them in my um, game pouch on my on my um, hunting vest or my backpack. We carry a bag, um, usually with like uh, it's perforated and has a drawstring, a little, and that works out nice. Let's breathe. It's usually so cool that it's there's never usually a problem. But just bring the old backpack or game pouch, man. Okay. Yeah, and you got to be careful too, because if I'm going to use them for um, for tying, I, I got to make sure to keep keep them in a nice little state there and um, not rough them up too much. But I've gotten pretty proficient with, you know, skinning them out, getting the cape out in one piece, preserving them. And I had two quail last year that I did that with full capes, and I, I tied a lot of flies, a lot of good flies that really work. Sweet. So. Hey. Meet your meat, get some tying material, you know what I mean? Heck yeah. So if you had words of wisdom as a Colorado transplant on for people to be better anglers in Colorado, what's something they should work on, practice, think about, have in the back of their mind? Uh, wow, that's a great question. So let me gather a good thought for it. Firstly, approach. I see too many people waiting way too far in the water. If you don't have to get in the water, don't get in the water. Um, I see a lot of people in their presentation that are false casting over fish too much and put them down. Even just getting away from your bobber, I guess that would probably be the biggest one. You don't have to bobber fish. There's other methods. If fish are rising, fish, fish, to, fish to eat fish or whatever environment you have or situation you have, I guess would be a better way to put it and be smarter, less casts, better presentation. And you can deviate from uh, bobber fish that, that in a nutshell, I think would make a lot of anglers more happy to find that they can actually throw a dry fly and, and pull it off. You can do it, you know, but be smarter, you know, I, I'm I'm seeing a lot of people again way too far in that water. They're stepping on fish. You know, you're in the run, and you're on you're you're, you're on where you should be fishing. Really, and not enough people pay attention to just reading fish too as well. Sometimes fish are not eating. You know, if they're not eating and they're you know you might get them to eat. That's give them a couple casts, but move on. So. I guess to summarize, just be smarter and have a smarter approach and keep your profile down. You know, fish, anyone who knows how a trout sees on that cone knows that if you stay low, you can really get close to trout and you don't have to use a bobber. It's, it's okay to throw a dry fly. Sweet. Any others? Open it up, not only do dry flies, but soft tackles. I don't see enough people throwing soft tackles. I swing flies all the time. And I'm going to give a big secret away here. Soft tackles are a great way to beat the wind. Because you can cast into the wind, down and across, and swing fish up a lot more than you would realize. That's actually really 
insightful because I see people leave and I'll use that approach way out the wind and pick up a few fish. And then when the wind dies down, you know, go back to throwing the way I want to. And also casting. I mean, you, you don't have to be the best caster in the trout, trout realm. We all know this. But a double haul goes a long way when you really want to throw a fly upstream in Colorado because you're not going to beat the wind. Sometimes that's true. So you have to kind of adapt like with a soft tackle approach. But sometimes if you're, you know, especially seeing fish rise, you can beat that wind with, with line speed. So practice your, your hauls and just give fish um, breaks. You know, you can't keep peppering them. So I can go on for days with like stupid mistakes like that. But for the most part, it really boils down to uh, presentation, profile, you know, just your approach, really. All right. Well, I've got a baker's dozen questions for you now. Who has the best sandwich in Colorado Springs these days? And that is to include Manitou Springs. I don't really eat out. I can't even answer that, man. I, I don't eat out that much. What's the word on the street? What are the kids saying? Well, they don't talk to me. Okay. Well, so I, yeah, I can't. I cannot speak to that. I, there's a lot of good Mexican. So the green chili stuff out here is is oh, good. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely bust down on that. Oh yeah. I don't know, man. I think if you come to Colorado and you're looking for a sandwich, uh, you got your priorities wrong. We'll take that. That should be a shirt also. <laughs> you got your priorities wrong? No, or... if you came here for sandwiches, you got your priorities wrong. Yeah, exactly, right? What's your uh, I would rather Oscar. I said I'd rather shoot something in the field and you know, cook it up at the tailgate or you know, bring it home to my beautiful wife and cook her up something, you know. Don't eat all her halibut fingers at once. <laughs> wow, you remember that? Oh yeah. All right, what's your drink these days? In case you, you come out to D.C. and I need to be prepared. All right. So that changes with the climate. We do a thing called. So I don't know what it's called, but we we take the. Peppermint, peppermint snops, peppermint snops um, and hot chocolate for the winter. And that's just, oh, my God, it's killer. And then, you know, summertime, cold beer, it's hard to beat. So I'm a pretty simple man, Rob. And then the nip of whiskey in the winter is always good, too. Excellent. Yeah. What's your spirit animal? Oh, yeah, probably the blue heron. I mean, just chilling on the water, taking his time, and kind of tall and lean. I guess I, I would, that's probably my spirit animal. Who's your favorite James Bond? I've never seen a James Bond. What? Well, I, I will say this. I prefer Michael Scott's James Bond. James Bonfire, um, but there is apparently, and maybe you can enlighten me on which one this is, but I am looking at buying a, a new little rifle, and it, what it is is a Henry AR-7, and it's a survival rifle that folds up into the buttstock, and you it's like two pounds, and apparently James Bond shoots down a helicopter with it in one of the movies, because I've been researching it, and that's what everyone speaks to in the in the comments and so i don't know anything about that but that sounds super badass i have to think about unlikely. that one 
Yeah. So if you know it, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, but no, I'm not a, not a big James Bond guy. All right. Well, on to other movies then. We could just maybe cancel this one out. But who was your Oscar pick for 2020? I don't even know who was. Dude, you got you to gotta realize who you're talking to. I, I, The mainstream stuff. I live under a rock, man. No, you live um, like next I, to a rock. It's a mountain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is like um, I know Adam Sandler was pretty butthurt. He didn't get the, the Oscar, was it? Correct. Yeah, the Oscar. But other than that, you know, man, I I watch a lot of movies, but I don't give a crap about um, who wins an Oscar. That's that's meaningless to me. But I am a big fan of cinema, so yeah, I guess I kind of interpret that stuff on my own, which I implore people to do more of because the Oscars and all that stuff is uh, just not my scene, I guess. Right on. What about an irrational phobia that you may have? You know, I think I just spoke to it this whole podcast. The irrational fear I have is of people in society. All right. Agoraphobia. <laughs> what is animal? What yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, what's your favorite hot sauce? You know, there's a couple local ones that I really like, and I, I can't think of their names, but what's the uh, CH one? Um, Cholula. Absolutely, yes. yes. That's probably my go-to. Yeah, I like the green. Did you? I like the green yeah. hot sauces more than the red, but most green hot sauce is a food coloring. There's very few that don't. Okay. Uh, what animal, was... if you could, would you bring back from extinction? Well, they already brought it back. It was the greenback cutthroat that was extinct, but they brought it back. So that's been taken care of. Probably the dodo then. What's your most played album? Wow, that is going to be a tough one. Probably, maybe Neil Young after the Gold Rush, but that's such a hard question. I mean, there's so many good bands and so many good albums, but yeah, uh, Neil, Neil for Neil, you know, the Beatles, uh, Revolver, um, the Grateful Dead, American Beauty, um, we're live in Europe. Pig pen days are amazing for the dead. Yeah, that's I could go on for days for that. So let's just say uh, Gwen Stefani. Yeah, that's it right there. I don't know a record she made, but Gwen. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. When you play Monopoly, which is your first choice of figurines? I don't really know if I've played Monopoly in the last decade, but they may have probably changed the that. guy with the. Yeah, does the guy with the monocle still exist? I, I hope so. I don't know. Yeah, that would be my choice, just so I can make uh, references to Ace Ventura. Yeah. Do you have any special body traits like being double-jointed or having webbed toes that you admit to telling? <laughs> no, but I, I am ambidextrous, so I fly fish with both hands, which is super awesome in the cold. Also, when you're fishing different water and – you know, high sticking especially is is helpful with because I can r rotate hands. Yeah, I think ambidextrous is, is is something that translates well to the fishing too. So yeah, that that's that would be it. It helps when you're sword fighting a Spaniard and then going after a giant. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, I didn't mention that, but yeah, that would be helpful. Do you hate follow anyone on social media? 
No, no, I don't. If I follow you on social media, I, I, I very much like you and what you're putting out there, which is rare because, again, going back to my phobias. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really hate anyone, I guess, on social media because I eliminate anybody that would irritate me. Um, so if I've defriended you, that's a good chance that you're kind of a... And last question, what are you looking forward to most in 2020? We're doing a trip to the Dolomites in Italy. I've scheduled it. We've planned it out so I can hit some water. So I'm going to be fishing Europe, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Honestly, just getting getting back out to some of the high alpine lakes this summer. That's that's a good question. There's a lot to look forward to, and for those listeners out there that don't really have much to look forward to, change that, you know. You don't have to spend a lot of money to to go out and adventure and do some hiking and explore what's around you. So I'd say just being alive, man, you know, just taking each day and having fun. All right. Well, have fun in Oklahoma and watch out for Rupert the Monkey Boy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try, man. Um, Oklahoma is a trip. It's uh, I saw some legit cowboys here and uh, – they were quite decked out in some, some cowboy gear, and they gave me the old nod, so I said, you know, all right, boys, take it easy out there. Howdy. Right on, dude. You- uh, well, thanks for coming on and dishing about some more of your Colorado lifestyle, and we'll be out well, this I've- summer for sure. I appreciate you having me on, and you always welcome out my way, Rob. You're the man, and uh, thanks, again. thanks again for having me, man. Right it's on, been, man. been really fun. Cool, dude. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.